Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. I'm your host, Casey Seymour, now part of the Global Ag Network. Chip, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm uh, I'm all sprung ahead, and I'm uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to do the same. Ready to get up an hour earlier than I normally do, so things are things are looking up. I'm pretty excited about all that. It was nice. Uh, we finally had the sunshine a little bit today, so that was nice. Uh, literally, feels like we only had it like four times in the last three months, but. Uh, it's nice to see that at uh, six thirty tonight, with the uh, blue sky and the sun was shining after about an inch and a half of rain yesterday. Yeah, we had a fair amount of of snow come through here. We had uh, earlier in the week we had five or six or eight inches or whatever it was that we had to start with, and then we had uh, about we were supposed to get three inches Friday night. We ended up with almost six, I think. So uh, we had quite a bit of snow here in the last three or four days of the uh, of the year. Well, you can keep it. Yeah, well, we weren't. We were lucky. North of us in, in South Dakota, they got two foot of snow, so that was uh, that was something. That's I'm glad it stayed that way north. So this weather thing has got has just got a lot of stuff going on right now. I mean, you got guys in the deep south that should be planting right now. Um, it should be a week or two into that planting cycle by, by uh, all stretches of the imagination. And now you sit back and look at that; they they haven't planted a thing yet, and there's really no window in sight where you where we can see even getting some field work done yeah it's really a, an odd um market we have um you know we're powered up now and we can plant in a hurry but um and i think the market doesn't care about that yet but in a lot of ways we already have a delayed spring like you said yeah in the south they should be planting mississippi um you know alabama not sure about Louisiana, uh, but I think that's wet too. But for sure, Mississippi, Tennessee is super wet. Um, you know, should be planting corn down there, especially in uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. Uh, they're not a, um, super wet, got more rain. And then, like you mentioned, north of you, um, just, you know, I don't know, four or five feet of snow on the ground. So, first of all, you got to get above freezing. I, I read, uh, I don't know, some stupid statistic from up somewhere in South Dakota, I think it was South Dakota, um, that they did get above freezing for the first time in I don't know how long, a long, long time last week. Um, so, you know, it usually happens when it warms up a little bit, brings uh, rain or snow. So they got pounded with some snow, although they got above freezing. So they can't, uh, they can't win for losing up there. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, arguably um, a slow start to spring. The market doesn't care about it yet. Um, it, it's kind of a weird deal, you know. It, it's still March, early March. Uh, it seems like, well, when's the market going to figure that out? And just all of a sudden, if it continues, which all the forecasts are for below average uh, temperatures and still quite a bit of precip, uh, you know, it's not what you want to see right now. 
uh, in uh, coming into mid-March. So eventually, if we're still fighting this, say, last week in March, first week in April, uh, the market, it'll like flip the switch and all of a sudden uh, it will care. But uh, right now there's still time, arguably, for this thing to turn around, warm up, dry out, uh, and get kicked off with some field work and planning. But uh, I would argue that it's um, not a normal spring to begin with because tons of field, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe in modern history, um, the least amount of field work that we've had done, uh, at least in 10 years, if not 20 years. So we've got a lot to do. The market really struggles with stuff like that. And it's hard enough for these fund traders in New York and London to, to know what a corn plant is or a bean plant or um, <laughs> vice versa. They, they might not know it if you drop them in the middle of a, of a field and they trade it. So right. it's really difficult for them to wrap their arms around um, agronomic stuff like too wet, too cold, planting, field work, um, pollination, grain fill. It's really, it's really hard um, for the market to kind of discern that. So, um, but I would tell you, we're set up. We've got these funds loaded up short. Um, probably, arguably, the biggest short position they've had uh, in March in, um, I don't know, 10 plus years. They'd be borderline record short corn anyway. So, probably the second biggest short position they've ever had in corn um, outright, let alone uh, in March. So this thing is really set up if this wet weather continues, we delay planning any, any further, or if we do get some sort of a Chinese trade agreement that includes any type of grain, sorghum, corn, DDGs, ethanol, uh, that would be a game changer. And you combine that, um, if, a, if it stays wet and cold, and you get a China deal, uh, and the funds are short, um, that could be an explosive move. Now, that's that's a big if at this point, but uh, say all the pieces are there, we just got to get them lined up and uh, get some sort of spark to get these funds to want to get out of their short position. It kind of boggles your mind why um, you'd want to be short, near record short corn, pretty big short position uh, in beans, record short Kansas City wheat, uh, pretty large short in Chicago wheat, um, here uh, going into mid-March when you have the entire growing season um, ahead of us. So there's tons of risk there. We just need some things to go right on some of these other issues like uh, China trade agreement, obviously, demand, exports. Uh, need, need some things to go right, and we've got the makings for a, a nice rally. Yeah. So Friday we had that report come out. Any any shockers there to you? Anything stand out to you that you thought was uh, above board or anything that was a uh, little little uh, out of the norm for you? Yeah, pretty quiet. Uh, honestly, they they bump corn carry out up a hundred million. I don't think that was a huge shock. It didn't help us uh, at all. Um, they uh, dropped um, exports by twenty five million. They dropped, uh, I believe, ethanol by seventy five million. I don't think that was a big, a big shock. Um, Billy looked like billion eight five on the carryout. Um, pretty negligible increase, uh, but it was an increase and it didn't help us out. Everything else was pretty much unchanged. Uh, Nine hundred million bushel carryout beans. That's still big. I didn't, that didn't help us either. Um, the uh, Brazil bean crop they dropped by half a million metric tons. Everything else on the corn side in South America and Argentine bean crop they left unchanged. So. 
uh, really didn't give us a whole lot. Um, touch negative because of the 100 million bushel increase on um, on corn carryout. I think what this comes down to, though, is still China. Uh, kind of got some negative news last week, really hit the markets. I mean, we just had an ugly, ugly week, especially in, in corn and wheat. Uh, beans were able to hold on a little bit better, but still uh, everything into the week uh, with pretty, pretty healthy losses. And it's all about China. There's some uh, negativity right now. They delayed this 27th, 28th meeting uh, between the Chinese president, President Trump. Um, still trying, I think, behind the scenes to get some stuff done. So you're, you heard uh, over the weekend here a little bit of positive news, like we're, we're, we're getting there. Uh, we're working on rescheduling that meeting. At this point, it's going to be a formality. I mean, they kind of said in the Chinese press that uh, the, uh, the Chinese president, if, if they're going to do this meeting, when, when the two presidents get together, um, it's already a done deal, and it's just basically a, you know, kind of a PR. Uh, Formality type thing. You know, press type thing. So yeah. that's really what the market's waiting for now, is the official announcement of when the two presidents are going to meet. Um, and then once they hear that, they're going to assume that it is a done deal. Obviously, we're going to get the, the details out. There's been a lot of stuff leaked out talking about $50 billion total worth of ag products. Um, I, I think energy probably is going to fall in that too, even though it's not technically an ag product, but I think that could easily happen where part of that 50 billion is going to include energy, uh, some crude oil, maybe some products uh, and natural gas potentially as well. But um, that's what we're waiting on. Weather, too early to get uh, too carried away on, on the weather, but it's not definitely not a good start. Uh, to spring here and the China trade agreement and uh, March 29th we've got the acreage report and the quarterly stocks report that'll be a big market mover uh, potentially but if it's still snowing and raining and you know 25 degrees everywhere it really doesn't matter what the intended acreage is going to be it's going to be more about mother nature at that point in time so you know early springs always favor historically additional corn acres um, if the South is still, you know, wet and not making progress by that point in time, there's still snow on the ground in the North, uh, you can probably assume we're not going to plant as many corn acres, uh, as what they're going to tell us on that report. So mother nature's um, really going to start taking over as the, the leader here over the next uh, two, three weeks. Yeah. So if the, if the, uh, if the spring stays wet and things kind of continue down the same path that we're seeing now for the next you know, 30 days or so, could you see a spike in maybe double crop soybeans or something like that? That could, some guys that couldn't get some corn planted maybe are rolling into soybeans just for the fact that they yeah. have that window open? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for sure. We've already heard producers, uh, I've heard a couple stories already, um, uh, one from Illinois, one from Indiana, guys that didn't get field work done uh, this past fall, they were going to grow corn on corn. Uh, it's too late. It, I mean, nitrogen's going up. It didn't get field work done. It's been a horrible winter. It's not a great start to spring. Um, they're already going back. They're going to plant more beans and less corn on corn. So, you know, I'm not saying that's a huge trend yet, but um, the big swings in acreage typically don't come from dry states anyway. That's pretty stable acreage base. You can get some swings year to year, but you're not talking typically big swings. The swings are going to come from the Dakotas, Kansas. Um, uh, from the south. I don't see big additional corn acreage in the south. I think there's going to be more um, more cotton down there. 
Um, I picked up that uh, maybe we could see pretty healthy increase in corn in Kansas, and obviously North and South Dakota. Well, you know, you already illustrated, uh, you know, a couple feet of snow this past weekend, uh, two, three feet of snow already on the ground there, cold, blizzard, um, you know, I don't know. There, there, there's time, it's early still, but it doesn't, oh, well, you got to get the snow um, melted and the ground thawed to even think about uh, corn planters rolling here. And it does not look like it's going to be a fast start there. So, um, and, and I would argue too, not that uh, anyone not trying to disparage uh, farmers in uh, North Dakota by any stretch, but uh, just state the fact that that's not I-state type of soil for the most part, right? So if we pick up um, 3 million acres in the Dakotas and a half a million acres in Kansas, my point is that's not, uh, you know, 230, 240 bushel corn ground like uh, central Illinois, central Iowa um, type farm ground. So that already kind of mathematically says that we're maybe not kind of holding back the potential for the national average yield. So there's that balancing act of, yeah, if, if we plant more corn acres, um, does it, you know, mathematically say, well, hey, maybe we aren't going to hit a, a 176 yield. Um, demand's still pretty good, even though they cut it. So we got a lot of, the point being, we have just a tremendous amount of uncertainty ahead of us uh, with production, with, uh, uh, you know, acreage, with planting, and then not to mention the whole growing season, uh, pollination grain fill. And, um, you know, why would it be perfect? It's, uh, it hasn't been perfect se since September, right? We've arguably come off two or three years where it's been pretty perfect from start to finish. Uh, it didn't finish well last year, starting in about September. Uh, it hasn't gotten any better uh, to March. You know, the trend's your friend. I don't know why at this stage it's just going to be uh, absolutely perfect. It'll turn at some point in time. But the point is, we haven't had a challenging um, growing season for several years, raising big crops. Statistically, we're overdue for some sort of a uh, little bit of a flare up or at least a scare. And, uh, you know, we'll see. There's plenty of ammunition there. If you see that, the funds aren't going to hold with a short position of, I don't know what it would be now, 200,000, 210,000. That's a lot of buying. They usually don't just go from, from short to neutral and stay there. They usually overshoot or, and reverse. So, you know, that's, uh, that's a lot of corn contracts um, for the funds to buy if there's any type of a reason to during the growing season. Yep. Okay, so let's jump over to look at the cattle market real quick um, and, and the pig and the hog market as well. Um, man, there's just uh, there's a lot of pressure on that market right now just because of the weather the way it is and and uh, the cold weather and, and gain and all that stuff that are going into that. So talk about the, the livestock market a little bit and what you see happening there. Yeah, so I think let's start with the hogs because that's easy enough. Now, they did show a little bit of a bounce here. Um, they were way overdone to the downside. They need a China deal. Um, hogs have some problems. Overproduction, we're expanding. Um, can't seem to get much going. Every rally gets sold. Uh, we are overdue for a bounce. We're starting to kind of see that a little bit, so that's good to see. But we're not going to go too far until we get some sort of trade deal and hopefully that trade deal is going to include some uh, U.S. pork in sizable amounts going to China. And that definitely could be 
um, you know, you could see how it was 10 bucks higher than a snap of a finger. We can get some confirmation of uh, Chinese purchases of U.S. pork. Cattle market, a um, little bit easier here. You know, we've been kind of talking about it um, all night here. It's the weather, and it's not getting any better. And, um, you know, carcass weights are down. We did have a cattle on feed report. We're kind of caught up now. Uh, I believe we're caught up. I, I don't know. It's been uh, it's amazing to me. We have a six-week uh, government shutdown, but it takes uh, two months to get caught back up on the data. Yeah. Uh, we did have a cattle on feed report Friday. Um, it was um, about as expected. No real major shocks there. I think it's going to go back to weather, horrible feeding conditions. You're going to see the influence. Even when it straightens out, we're going to continue to see that being influenced on weights uh, for the foreseeable future uh, for, for several more weeks, um, uh, if not, um, you know, better part of two, three months here. So it's going to take a while to kind of get through the effects of this winter. And that's, to me, still says, we could have some upside here, but producers really have to be on the lookout, especially on the deferreds. Um, you know, if we get into kind of a blow-off type run here where the uh, uh, the, the feedlots, um, you know, are, are current and don't have inventory ready and the packers are short-bought and need cattle and they're bidding up, that could kind of get us into a final blow-off. We need to be kind of on alert for that um, because we're not going to go up straight up forever. There's more numbers coming out there um, ahead of us. So cattle, to me, still have some potential upside in here, uh, but you really have to be on alert uh, probably for that final kind of vertical blow-off top, potentially, um, maybe sometime in the next uh, two to six weeks, um, and really have your finger on the trigger and be rewarding that rally and deferreds and, and taking some risk off the table in some way, shape, or form if you are a cattle producer out there. Yep. All right, Chip, plenty of stuff going on. Like we talked about at the beginning of the uh, podcast here, um, you know, fertilizer costs, input costs, you know, uncertainty with possibly what crops you might even be planting right now. Having that plan is a pretty big, uh, pretty big component of the of your marketing plan. So, talk to me a little bit about that plan and how guys can work with you to get that uh, get that one put in place. Yeah, it is it is critical, right? These markets have kind of put everyone to sleep because we're you know on a seven month sideways trading range. Um, but it is critically important to have a plan. It can mean the difference between uh, profitability and, um, you know, and, and farming at a loss this coming year. Perfect example of that is this past week in corn, right? I mean, here's an example. You have a big drop. Um, no one else included expected that big drop. The funds really don't care what's happened fundamentally. They puke out, um, you know, 50, 60,000 contracts on the short side. We're taking advantage of that, buying a few courage calls. Um, you know, the volatility is there. We're at the lower end of the range, as low as we've been. In fact, we, we touched contract lows in the, the May contract um, uh, late last week in corn. Why not uh, buy a few calls so that then when we rally um, in uncertainty during weather season, you can sell into it and you have your cake and eat it too. If we go to five bucks, the calls cover you. If we roll over and have another big crop, we sold corn north of four, if we get that opportunity. That's a perfect example of it. There's a lot of ways you can go with that. That's just one illustration. But point being, you got to have a plan. It's critically important, uh, a plan A and a plan B. It's great to have uh, a four and a quarter uh, sales target in corn, but if we never achieve it, what are you going to do about that? Uh, you need to have some uh, 
So fail safes in there, both price and time, um, as a plan B. So uh, it's critically important. And uh, if anybody needs uh, some advice or a second set of eyes or ears on that, you can certainly call us. 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to chat with you before it gets uh, too terribly busy here uh, at spring. Right on, Chip. Well, appreciate it as usual. Good stuff. And we'll talk to you again next Sunday. So, for, to ver- man, I can't talk. So, uh, for the rest of this week, have a good one. We'll talk to you again on Sunday, man. That sounds good. Have a good week. All right, buddy. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax Moves with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and globalagnetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour. Out. In the 21st century Hardworking people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here